Welcome to Radio BX, the podcast of the Building Energy Exchange, where we discuss sustainability and energy efficiency in the built environment. This year, the theme of Radio BX is Made in New York, the people, projects, and policies that represent the cutting edge in New York's movement to decarbonize buildings. A natural extension of our core mission to foster dialogue among the entire community that impacts the performance of buildings, Radio BX is made possible through the generous support of our 2022 sponsor, National Grid. I'm your host, Yatza Frank, and I'll be talking with leaders who are driving positive change across the country and abroad. So stay engaged and join the conversation each month with some of the most compelling people in our field. Welcome to Radio BX, the podcast of the Building Energy Exchange. I am your host, Yatza Frank from BX, and I am delighted to welcome Stephen Winter to our humble studio today. Stephen is a fellow of the American Institute of Architects and is, of course, best known as the founder and now chairman of the board of directors of Stephen Winter Associates, one of the preeminent sustainability consulting firms in the Northeast. I arrived in New York City in 1995, right out of college, and for my entire career, Stephen has been a central figure in the green building community here and a major actor in the movement overall. Stephen Winter Associates recently celebrated their 50th anniversary, and Stephen has been at the forefront of this movement throughout that period. His firm has been among the vanguard in the delivery of myriad consulting services that we all now take for granted, from energy modeling to passive house. Critically, Stephen was chairman of the U.S. Green Building Council from 1999 to 2003, leading that organization during arguably its most important moments, the launching of the LEED Green Building Standard and the Green Build Conference. Stephen teaches at Columbia University and the Pratt Institute, but is possibly best known also as a mentor and a supportive colleague to many, many people in this industry that have shaped the world for the better, both from within his firm and elsewhere. Stephen Winter, welcome to Radio BX. Thank you, Hatsu. Nice to be here. I want to sort of start back at the beginning, if you will. You studied architecture at Sydney University in Australia, where you received a Bachelor of Architecture or earned a Bachelor of Architecture, I should maybe say. How did you come to choose architecture as your field of study? Well, back in, in the pre-university days, we were uh, asked to consider what we would want to do. And um, I was good at math, so I looked for something that had to do with math. And the, the school led us on tours through different offices, different engineering and architecture offices, so we'd get a flavor of what it was like to be there. And the architect's offices were very cool with the color pencils and the drawing boards and all that stuff. So, so I signed up without having really a clue of what, what I was getting into. And what was the educational focus like at the Sydney School of Architecture? I assume, given your focus on building science, uh, that it was on the more pragmatic and less on the theory end, but but how, how were things set up there? It was a rigorous program uh, and included five years of, of teaching of art as well as design and so on, and a full regimen of, of building science courses, two to three courses per semester uh, in, in such detail as uh, like acoustics and lighting and elevator design, a whole course on elevator design. So yes, they called it architectural science there, but, but the focus very much was on building science, and that, that was my area of interest. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and what brought you to Columbia University? It's a, a long way from home. Yeah, it was a long way. I, I finished architecture school, and I said to the professors, is that all there is? Is there nothing more here? And they said, well, go on to some postgraduate work. Go to America. They have all the answers. And so my architectural science professor, Henry Cowan, uh, suggested I go to Columbia, uh, which where Mario Salvadori was one of the professors. And uh, so once again, not having a clue what I was in for, I, I applied and came to Columbia in, in uh, uh, 1967. And when did you finish at Columbia? It, it was only a, a, a one-and-a-half-year program, right, so, right. so 68, yep. 1968, I graduated. And how soon did you have a sense that your focus would be on, I guess, what we now call sustainability? Well, it, it was a, a fairly long uh, journey. Uh, it was, the focus was on building science. There was no such thing as energy as an issue or sustainability as an issue. But the technology of buildings, the, build, the science of buildings, is what I was interested in. And uh, my first job was with a, an architect, Renato Severino, who focused on prefabrication in housing. So I specialized in that for a, a few years at, at his firm uh, uh, before starting my own. And so that was quite early that you started your own firm. Yeah, I was, I was 28, and uh, I had been promised all sorts of advancement in Severino's firm and, and none of which happened and so I, I just uh, hung out a shingle got a part-time teaching job at Columbia and survived on a lot of noodles and water. Did you feel at all like an outsider like you came from Australia your family I think is Hungarian yeah. is that right? Um, how, how was that experience? Well, my family was from Hungary. We were refugees from the Holocaust and found our way to Australia through organizations that help migrants resettle elsewhere. And, um, uh, I, but America was very welcoming. It, it was much more welcoming to foreigners than I had spent a little time in England on the way here than the English were, and certainly uh, back home in Australia. Uh, it was a wide open country. They welcomed me, you know. They, it, it was wonderful socially and, 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 and uh, professionally. I, I felt very welcomed, and, and I, I resolved that this is where I would stay. I have for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you really have. And how would you describe sort of the evolution of the firm uh, over time? You've really it feels to me quite regularly expanded the offerings of, of, the, of the office. And I wonder how you go about sort of making those business decisions. I was less skilled at strategic planning than uh, current folks in my firm are. Uh, I, was, I was more uh, driven to or attracted by opportunities that existed. So it was less about seeking something special then I was attracted to something that was an opportunity that I figured I could, I could fill. So the initial periods of time, years, I uh, specialized in uh, offering consulting services to the prefabricated housing industry, all sorts of prefabs, wood frame, concrete, steel, log homes, dome homes, plastic, foam, you name it. It was all prefabs all the time. And then over time that evaporated. They didn't need the help so much anymore, and, 
new opportunities arose, including energy conservation during the Carter years, where uh, a, a whole host of consulting uh, opportunities were available, and 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 there were not that many firms there to to fill them. And so, next thing, one becomes a specialist in energy, and and it goes from there. From energy, you migrate to green, and from green to other areas of endeavor. I was told to ask you who or what was Ralph? Ralph was the name of my beaten-up Volkswagen Beetle, with which I traveled to a whole host of prefabricated building sites and factories. We did work for 440 different manufactured housing producers in 42 states, and Ralph traveled to many of those. <laughs> Jim Gainford uh, oh. <laughs> told me that he had quite a, put a, quite a few miles on that with you and, and told the story of, of trying to stay up overnight coming back from Pennsylvania That's or right. something. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone trying to stay awake uh, on an overnight trip. So I understand uh, now that the firm is, is employee-owned or mostly employee-owned. I mean, when and why did you decide to sort of initiate that process? Yeah, it is fully employee-owned. There are no other owners other than employees of the firm. And uh, about 12 or more years ago, it occurred to me that I had arrived at a certain age and one of three things was going to happen here. I was going to be hit by a bus and then what would happen to the firm, or I would be bought out by an outside entity and no one wanted that to happen and so uh, coming up with a scheme to transfer ownership to the employees was, was the path that we chose and so over those years uh, the shares in the company have uh, been little by little transferred to something approximating 50 different em employees so uh, something more than a third of the employees are part owners of the company and that will continue. That's great. Um, and alongside that, I guess, how has your role at SWA changed over the years? Well, it, it um, started as being a manager of projects, and then as we grew, it became a manager of people plus projects, and then eventually a few pet projects, plus mostly managing contracts and clients and, and, and financial aspects of the company. And then in more recent years, I transferred more and more responsibility for running the company to uh, senior individuals within it, uh, to the point where now I'm the chairman of the board, and I have fairly limited responsibilities, mostly to do with financial aspects of the firm, uh, and mentoring of staff in the firm, and maintaining relationships with certain clients and potential clients. I've heard from a number of people, I know quite a few people that work with you and for you, and um, I sort of asked around about about their experiences working with you, and, and a number of people noted that you tend to give people areas of responsibility and then sort of let them get on with it. Um, with oversight, of course, but you're, you seem to sort of trust your own judgment about hiring rather than micromanaging individuals, it sounds like. And I'm sort of wondering if this is something that just came sort of naturally to you, or is it something you had to learn? No, it, it was sort of intuitive, and it, it started in the beginning when we were offering 
services to the prefabricated housing industry, many of those services related to structural engineering, and I was not, I am not a structural engineer, so I had to trust the abilities of, of people. And uh, much of the hiring process was, was intuitive. Uh, if I felt that some, in, somebody was, was smart and, and, and knowledgeable and, and, and creative, uh, I would give them lots of leeway to take those skills and, 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 and kind of cut their own path forward. And it's worked out very well. Many of the people you know were hired for one thing and then, then migrated to another because they had plenty of rope to swing with or hang with. I want to talk also about your time at USGBC, which is a pretty central component, it feels to me, of your your career um, and your influence on our kind of community overall. How did your relationship with the USGBC begin? Well, we had made it a habit of getting involved with trade and industry organizations, such as the exchange, of, of um, getting to know them and then participating in their activities and then leveraging that, uh, that uh, relationship uh, for whatever, whatever gains we could make. And so we, had, we were skeptical, skeptical about the U.S. Green Building Council that had kind of a shady past in its beginnings uh, and and uh, but but just for the heck of it, uh, I went along to one or two of their early meetings, and and uh, little by little got involved in their ongoing activities, and finally became fully immersed in them, and uh, became a believer and a supporter. And uh, in those days, there were seventy-one members when I first joined. Uh, <laughs> Later, when I stepped down as, as chair, there were over 25,000. But in the early days, it was not a question of being appointed or vying for a position to, to, uh, to be on the board or be, be in any other uh, position. It was being, one was begged to, to, to do that work. To, and so they asked me to be chair because I don't know if everyone else refused to do it, but certainly it was not something that, that people vied for. And, and I, I accepted, and uh, it was very, very rewarding. And, and certainly, as you say, it was pivotal to a lot of the professional choices we made in our company. And that was the time when LEAD was launched. Right. Uh, LEAD had been started as an endeavor by some fervent members of the, of the, of the council, uh, and uh, they did a very good job of uh, of, of, of organizing and arranging and writing a set of standards. Uh, and, but, and I was the chair at the time when it was actually launched. And, and uh, it was a success from the beginning and was in fact a, a huge trendsetter that, that may have dimmed a little bit today, but in, it in effect became the code for what green building meant. And, and, uh, and the council, the green building council uh, uh, benefited benefited greatly from that, from that, that uh, position of strength. Of course. There's lots of things now that people quibble over about LEAD and, and its direction and steps it might have taken over the years, but, you know, there's no question that it, it, one of its central aims was to transform the market, 
and it did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and gave us all a language that we speak, um, and and also, I mean, I've sort of written a little bit about this, but it gave a, it 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 identified a tribe yeah. to one another <laughs> as yeah. well in a way that, and I think that was largely the conference too that that you were around for the initiation of. That was that was a very big deal. Right, and and I can take some credit for that conference. Uh, it seemed to be something that we should pursue, but um, some of the members of the board were horrified at the thought of, what, us have a trade show? Goodness gracious. But it, it turned out to be an immense success because the, there was a, a huge need for it. There was a need for the, for the educational programs, there was a need for the exhibiting of products and, and materials, and it grew, for the very first one uh, in Austin attracted uh, some 4,000 people against an, an estimate of 400 or whatever and then it too grew to be some 30,000 people at its zenith and, uh, and, and, and I'm very proud of that. That was, a, that was a very good thing to have happened and again it was being in the, the organization was in the right place at the right time and served the need that was very much uh, appropriate. The first green build I attended was in Portland. Oh yeah. And I remember everyone being absolutely astonished that there were 9,000 yeah. people. That, yeah. And, and we, every, we all spoke of it as that this must be the peak. It, it couldn't possibly yeah. get any bigger than this. But it was uh, totally transformative for me professionally because yeah. I, I, I was like, oh, I'm not just some weirdo <laughs> in New York. The, I'm not the only person thinking about this, right. which... You know, when you're in a big firm that's doing lots of other things, you, you don't know that there's that many other people out there that are concerned about this stuff. Right, and, and there was a lot of kumbaya in the thing. These people became friends and, 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 and family to each other, and, and it's still out there. It's no question. Yeah. I, I have so many people that I consider uh, personal friends as much as professional colleagues that I met through, through that conference yeah. and, and this community here. So... Turning back a bit to Stephen Winter Associates uh, and uh, wondering how the work is expanding today. Um, what are the, the sort of new horizons for, for your firm that you see? Well, we are expanding. Uh, and, you know, maybe the world is being buffeted by a war and a plague and all sorts of issues. But work is out there. We can't find enough people to satisfy the work that we have, but we are growing. And we're expanding through, I guess, three different avenues. We're, we're expanding in the array of services that we offer. Uh, this constantly happens. You do a set of things for a client, and then the client says, can you also do this? Well, we've not done it before, but maybe we can blah, 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 you, you hire someone who knows how to do it, and so the services expand. And those services are mutually supportive in that, that one service uh, supports the hiring for other services. So service offerings are being expanded. The array of clients is constantly expanding. Uh, different types of organizations, not just the building owners and developers managers, but also institutions, schools, hospitals, uh, and the, the array of those kinds of clients is expanding. And I guess finally the ge geography is expanding. We're, we're offering work all over the country, but we're primarily in the Northeast, basically from 
from Massachusetts to like the North Carolinas and as far west as, as <coughs> the, uh, Pittsburgh area. We have offices in Washington, New York, and Connecticut, and have recently uh, launched one in Boston. So we're enlarging our geographic presence in terms of, of offices themselves. And, uh, and, and so that the, the geography expands as long as we can uh, fulfill the obligations in any particular area uh, we, from, from where we are located. We, we, we can manage the work. So we, we do work in almost to the main border and, and, and into the Carolinas, and that's also what's expanding. And more broadly, kind of looking outside your firm, sort of an open-ended question, where do you see the green building movement heading in the sort of near, in the near future? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. It the sustainability movement is sort of about equity, about fairness, fairness in access to resources and, and access to energy sources and so on. And so if you extrapolate that notion of equity, the movement is, I think, going to migrate into uh, food equity, water use equity, uh, humanity equity, and in, in all those arenas, buildings happen, and our mission is to improve the built environment. So we will find a niche for ourselves in that expansion somewhere in there. Don't know what it is, but somewhere in there. And these days, who or what is, is inspiring to you right now? You know, um, uh, I just got back from a vacation, and... Uh, I, I read a little bit about Ernest Hemingway, who is a bit of an inspiration. And I like the part where he did some of his best work in tropical climates, surrounded by friendly people and enjoying uh, vast amounts of very good food and drink. And I continue to aspire to that kind of stuff. That's a great, a great model. Um, definitely one we should all... Except that he to. shot himself in 61. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> let's hope you have a different end. No, no, no. no, no. Well, the problem is he moved to Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> so he should have stayed, uh, should have stayed in, uh, in the Keys, I guess. Yeah, and Cuba, yeah. Um, so I'll finish uh, with one anecdote that was related to me from the early startup days at SWA, um, when folks would often work on the weekends, um, and on you were separated from your family, and, and uh, it's been relayed to me that you would sometimes on Saturdays would call your mom in Sydney, and that you spoke with her in your native tongue of Hungarian. And uh, apparently one of your engineers was passing your office and overheard this conversation, and the engineer turned to a colleague and said, come over here and listen, Stephen is speaking Australian. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if Jim Gainford told you that, but... It, it's true, uh, and I've lost much of my Hungarian because I don't get to use it very often. But yes, my, my parents and I spoke on the phone when we could in Hungarian. Well, I, I can say uh, to close here that uh, your Australian is excellent. So. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Stephen, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for your time uh, today. We really appreciate it, and we are looking forward to more great things from yourself and your firm in the years ahead. Wonderful, Yatsa. Thank you very much.